Welcome to Weekly Insights at Winthrop Capital Management, where we discuss recent developments currently shaping the markets and industries in the global economy. Here's your host, Chief Investment Officer, Greg Hahn. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. I'm Greg Hahn, President and Chief Investment Officer for Winthrop Capital Management. And with me in the studio, good morning, Amy Anderson, Production Coordinator. Great. Move coordinator and Adam Coons. Good morning, Adam. Big week. Yep, we're moving our offices, and and uh, Amy's helping quarterback that. Thank you for that. So, um, did you guys any surprises with the bracketology this weekend? <laughs> I was actually I found myself pulling for IU, and I know that's going to sound like anarchy to many of our listeners, but. They've been uh, bad long enough. I know, right? It's the underdog. Uh, I was kind of hoping Purdue would have a higher seed and Wisconsin would have a higher seed, but, you know, it is what it is. Yep. All right. Let's switch to what's going on in the capital markets. Um, we got we are living through history. There's no question that we've got um, an historic event happening with Russia invading uh, Ukraine. Um, and that's literally at the doorstep of a shift in monetary policy, which is going to prove challenging to central banks of developed countries, particularly the United States and Europe. So um, kind of <clears throat> where we're at with um, what we expect is so the sanctions that have been imposed on Russia from the world, not just the United States, um, have been severe. And so one of the issues we expect is that the Russian economy will move into a recession here very quickly. Um, And we expect a global slowdown in economic growth, particularly in Europe, because of that. Uh, um, One of the major exports for both Ukraine and and Russia is wheat. And so that's Egypt, Turkey, um, parts of Europe. So just basic things like that, but we're seeing it largely manifested in oil prices. So if you haven't filled up at the gas tank <laughs> at the gas station, you are going to be surprised. The price of gas, yeah, it's over four bucks here in Indiana, right? Yeah, and I, I, mine was four ninety nine or whatever. Oh boy, sixty bucks for a new car. <laughs> so one of the issues related to that, though, is the impact. Um, this economic stress has on our capital markets and our and our plumbing, the capital market system. So so far, global capital markets have held up pretty well. The repo and the lending facilities that the Federal Reserve set up to, in place during the pandemic have been um, helping to support the markets. I don't think it, actually as of last week, I don't think they actually were even tapped. Um, but it's it's unusual. The the the. The Fed playbook in times of distress um, and war would be part of that, would be to um, provide liquidity into the markets. So for the Fed to to talk about the narrative around pushing interest rates higher this week at their meeting is is highly unusual. So I I would not be surprised to see them push it into May and and just give um, comfort to capital markets. But the other argument is, look, it's that zero going from zero to 25 is meaningless. Right. It becomes symbolic. So that's the give and the take here. But the uh, I think the Fed wants to avoid an about face because of some stress that's um, not anticipated onto the global system. Um, the second issue that we're facing is significant inflation, uh, and it's compounded by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But the supply chain disruptions— 
during the pandemic and the labor shortage, it, uh, you compound that with the war, and this looks like it's inflation that's going to be systemic now for a while. This is not something that's one and done, gone. Right. So the Fed, the Fed does have to recognize that, and I think that probably is more of what what's really driving the agenda is that the the embedded inflation that we're seeing now is um, is is real. So then, what we're facing is potential global slowdown, rising inflation is is a a very difficult recipe for economic yes, growth, capital markets, and investing. Okay, the third thing um, is this: the Russian economy. So we can't predict what's going to happen, but we, we've talked to a lot of people about this, and we've studied this so far. That this is a difficult situation for Putin to get out of and save face. So. Not trying to predict the outcome, but we think Russia will be isolated on the global stage. Whatever happens to Putin and his leadership, if he can hold on, we don't know. But typically, historically, times of economic distress lead to civil unrest. Right. And whether that's tolerated in Russia, we, you know, we, history shows that there will be a revolt. I mean, the Russian stock market's down 81% year to date. Yeah. Your interest rates are now close to 20%. So that And that leads to the fourth... The fourth issue is the Western response. So, so all of those um, Western uh, things that the Russian Russians came to like, like Apple phones, right. and McDonald's, and McDonald's, <laughs> and Ford, and you know cars that worked. I don't know, but <laughs> so it's it. Um, that's all being pulled out, right? And that's that. I think is going to compound the response. So this is this isn't 1950s Russia. This is. This is a Russia that's been part of the World Trade Organization. It's been involved in trade since 19 the, or, or 2000s with uh, the early 2000s with the United States. They're used to these these goods and services that America provides. So to have those pulled out uh, is going to be a, a harsh consequence for the Russian citizens. Because well, the reality so, is they're not good at doing it, right? I saw a story in the journal. Was it? You know, they were calling it uh, crap cola is what they would have yeah. in, in Russia because right. Coca-Cola is gone. Yeah. The Big Mac, Big Mac for sale for $36 because they were the last ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> so the, um, <clears throat> I think that this, the, um, the, I think Putin, you know, everything we've studied so far about the war is, it is, is um, Putin totally misjudged the response. Mm -hmm. He thought he could walk in like he did with Crimea. And so how this ends is going to be a really interesting um, as it plays out, but the Ukraine defense is holding, and um, and I, I read a news alert. I couldn't I couldn't validate it secondhand, but Russia is asking China to support them in the war. So yeah, that seems say. highly unusual that they would start something like that and then ask. I mean, it it it's gonna. So we've got a, a since 1995, we've moved more and more towards globalization. That was really the initiative around the World Trade Organization. And since the financial crisis, but compounded uh, over the last five years, we've moved away from globalization and more and more towards tariffs and back to trading blocks. And that's what we had before the, the WTO was isolated trading relationships. And um, so it's it's going to have an impact on our markets and how we invest and um so that's kind of the themes this week. We're heading uh, we're heading into the end of the quarter, so we're going to be buttoning down um, our portfolios um, heading into the end of the quarter. And with that, Adam, I'm going to turn it over to you. 
Um, to add one for today is that uh, China is going through another round of shutdowns with COVID picking back up. Uh, there's potential that the Foxconn uh, factory will be shut down again, which is the primary supplier of Apple iPhones. So uh, just to further feed into supply chain issues. Uh, yeah, We've got Russia, but we still have issues coming out of China. So, And the amazing thing about Apple's earnings this last quarter was how they were able to successfully navigate the supply chain disruptions because their, their phone sales were really, yeah. really strong. Um, but I, yeah, I think there's a, there's a point where that, that begins to break. We can only yep. plan so far ahead, but so how that's affecting markets. Uh, so the NASDAQ is now down 20% from its highs. Um, the S and P 500 is down, uh, 11 and a half percent year to date. Uh, so we're seeing just continued fractures in, in equity markets, uh, your European countries are underperforming the S&P 500 once again. Germany's down uh, 20% year-to-date. Uh, generally speaking, international is, is continuing to underperform. Uh, U.S. stocks, uh, obviously, that's led by the downdraft of Europe and what's happening in Russia. So um, I just mentioned, obviously, Russian stock market was down 81%. Uh, but, Ch- but China has, you know, it was the outperformer early in the year, and it has reversed course uh, significantly um, is now down 21%, just the A shares. And then when you look at internet stocks in general, down 35% year to date. So um, last week we had issues with DD trying to get uh, listed. It's not, it doesn't seem to be working out with them getting listed on the Hong Kong exchange. And so there just continues to be this stress of uh, you know, regulation. So how much of the change in price has to do with um, the impacting the financial statements the revenue and, and income of these companies, and how much of it has to do with just a repricing of risk and the valuation change from elevated valuations? At this point, it's the latter, right? I mean, nothing has changed fundamentally <laughs> from what's happening in Russia is not affecting revenue numbers of Microsoft or Apple or any of these Chinese companies that we're talking about. So, yeah, this is 100% the fact that you've got uh, people scared. Yeah. Well, so what do you do? What's the next step? You always take what in investing, right? You, you're you're not you're not right all the time. Right. You're you're not wrong all the time, but you got to take what what is the next step investors take? Well, I think I think what we just mentioned is really important. And if you look at, I think we talked about this last week, is that historically these periods for the markets, maybe not for the actual conflict, but for the markets, these downdrafts tend to be fairly short lived. Um, so when you look at fundamentals and the fact that. These, cho- these stocks are much cheaper here. Um, I, I guess I'm a buyer of, of risk. I, I would take the other side of this. I, I still like the China story. I still like technology. I mean, we've got Microsoft down 18% year to date. It's, you know, that, that to me, that's a buy because um, these companies, their business models are sustainable. They're cash flow machines. And there really is no, Russia, they don't sell any other products to Russia. So that's not going to be an issue for them. So, for me, I, I'm a buyer here. I'm not going all in, but when markets are down 10 and 20%, that's when you got to start adding, in my opinion. And so I'm going to take the other side of this. Go for it. So the, the concern is that we are on the front end of this rise in inflation. Yeah. And inflation um, at, at, at levels above 5% that are persistent, the Fed will, we, we think the Fed will just do the next right thing to, to contain it, but won't take the steps to really. Um, kill it, um, and the process to kill it would end up putting the U.S. into a recession. Right, and so we're going to push that out a little bit. 
But the more that we push it out, the more the compounding effects of inflation are going to weigh on our economy. And so we've, this is a whole new paradigm that we're going to, investors are going to have to live through is, is sustain higher inflation. Yeah. Uh, the belief during the pandemic was it's supply chains, we'll get the supply chains fixed, things will normalize. Um, but I think with, with what's going on now with the war in Europe, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be here. The inflation is going to be here for a while. And so to, to get this under control is going to mean higher rates. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I don't think, I mean, we haven't seen that since the early 1980s when Volcker was Fed chair and, and really raised rates to, to crush inflation that was persistent in the 70s. So it, it's a long-term issue. It's not a, this is going to be a long-term issue, not a short-term issue. Yeah, I agree. I think the other side of what I, my argument, yeah, I agree, is that <laughs> the only way to choke this off is to choke off the economy, right? Because you're not going to fix the supply chain issues right now, so you've got to fix the demand side. Let's shift to the stock market. Um, some of the stocks, so one of the themes we had this year was um, stock buybacks. So there's a couple uh, companies that announced stock buybacks in the last couple of weeks, and also big stock split coming out of Amazon. Yep. Was it 10, 10 for one? It's 20 for one. 20 for one. Yeah. Because um, it was a $2,000 stock. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I own a quarter of a share of it. There you go. <laughs> uh, but that, um, I don't know that that does anything necessarily for the financial statement, but it makes, it brings in a new investor group. It does, yeah. Um, but the uh, Macy's announced a, uh, a stock repurchase. So during the financial crisis, Macy's took down $4.5 billion of debt and pledged whatever. <laughs> They had, <laughs> right, hangers. they had real estate <laughs> hangers, right? Some post-it notes, uh, but the collateral that they posted, they were actually able to refinance the debt. They did eight hundred and fifty million last week, paid down debt, and were able to release some of the collateral supply yeah. into that. So a big move uh, for Macy's and for retail. And and I personally am thankful that this um, this initiative to try to get them to break their. Um, their uh, um, digital online business away from the brick and mortar business. I mean, that's retails. The whole face of retail is changing, so you have to have a solution that's yep. addresses both. Because brick, if you're just brick and mortar, you're going to die. Yep. So, with that, anything else on on your end? Uh, just on the bond side, real quick. Uh, rates are up again today. You get the thirty year uh, almost at two and a half, and you got the ten year at two ten. Uh, the three, we, we typically look at the two to 10 year curve, which is a 25 basis point, but the three to 10 year curve is only five basis points right now. So we're closely <laughs> approaching inversion a- across different curves. Yep. The seven to 10 year curve uh, has been uh, inverting and then going back you know, back and forth uh, for the last couple of weeks. So. And what, what does an inverted yield curve mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's chicken or the egg, but it basically means the, the two-year yield is higher than the 10-year yield. Yeah. Uh, to me, it represents the fact that the, the global economy is, is slowing down. I don't think that the fact that it inverts is what causes a recession. I think it's just the, the signaling that what's yeah. happening in the economy. Yeah, and, and that has a pretty high success rate. Yes, it does. As 88%. It, as it, as it, 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 <laughs> yeah. So that's... Uh, it's a shift. It's a big shift from the markets. That the last three years, we've had the S and P up twenty two percent on average. I mean, yeah. amazing returns during a pandemic. Right during economic dislocation, we've had amazing returns in domestic equity, and now we're we're moving into a different chapter where it's going to be a more 
big, a bigger challenge. So just in the first quarter of this year, it's it's proving yeah. proving out. So um, next week we'll talk about asset allocation as we head into the end of the quarter. Um, but cash, you'll see in in our models the the cash piece of it is um, it's tactical. From our standpoint, we want we do want to keep we want to stay fully invested, but have a little bit of a higher cash level than we've had in the past. Um, anything else to add from your your standpoint? Not right now. All right, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you through the week. All investments are subject to risk, including the possible loss of the money you invest. The information presented in this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and does not take into consideration your personal circumstances or other factors that may be important in making investment decisions. You may access and download this podcast only for your personal and non-commercial use. You may not use it in any other manner or for any other purpose without Winthrop's written permission. Copyright 2020, Winthrop Capital Management, LLC. All rights reserved.